2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 12. Now it was told King David, saying, The Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. I know you remember, unless you're a first-time guest, we've been talking about this, that the ark of God was the visible symbol, it's a representation of the glory and power of God. The ark has been there. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with gladness. And so it was when those bearing the ark of the Lord had gone six paces that he sacrificed oxen and fatted sheep. Then David danced before the Lord with all his might. And David was wearing a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. Today I want to just preach this story and say that it is our heart's cry to say, to God be the glory. Amen? Why don't you give him a little glory right now? Maybe a lot of glory from the depth of your soul. Amen. Thank you for standing in worship. You may be seated. We have seen a glimpse of the glory of God. Like Moses, who only saw the back parts of God, he could not see the full glory of God. No man has ever seen God in his fullness and lived. The brightness of his glory is more than we can comprehend or humanly stand. I'm glad that one day we will see him as he is and it will change us and we will be like him. But we have seen a glimpse of the glory of God. I believe the Lord has heard our prayers and he's seen the hunger of our corporate and individual hearts for the return of the glory of God. Last Sunday as Brother Hernandez ministered the Bible, the word of God, in the power of the Holy Ghost, we saw many people supernaturally healed by the power of God. In the second service alone, 50 people raised their hand that God had touched them in a miraculous way. And many good things happened in this service as well. I give glory to God because he is a healer. Amen. One of our wonderful men, Brother Joseph Jordan, had injured his hand a while back. And a, a knot came up on his hand was there and it didn't bother him too bad but in the last few days before last Sunday it started to bother him he was worried about it in that service he opened his heart for prayer and believed the Lord to heal him and when he went home last Sunday he noticed that that knot had completely disappeared God had healed him that is nothing with God it is but a small thing when God shows up with his glory anything is possible. Amen. We know that the glory refers to the manifested mercy and majesty, the magnificence and might of God. That glory is more easily seen than said. The glory of God is seen in creation. The heavens declare the glory of God. The glory of God was witnessed on Mount Sinai as a smoke as like a furnace. 
The glory of God was seen in the face of Moses as it shone when he came down from a 40-day encounter with God. The glory of God was seen as a pillar of fire by night and a pillar of cloud by day. The glory of God was seen as a thick cloud in the tabernacle and in the temple. I was sharing a leadership lesson yesterday with some ministers and I was talking about the glory of God just briefly. It wasn't really part of my message. And I had a memory of the first 9 a.m. service in 2014 when we remodeled our sanctuary and the company installed our lights had also installed a smoke machine in case we ever needed it. He was proud of it. And as that 9 a.m. service started to begin, just a few minutes before, the house was filled with smoke. It was not the glory of God, and I was not feeling very spiritual at that moment. It was already that moment of newness, new carpet, new chairs, new ceiling, new lights, new everything, and new smoke everywhere. I was talking about managing change, you know, how you lead people to change and you try to help them be prepared for that. And I said, even God used special effects. Amen? He filled the tabernacle and the temple with a thick smoke, but it was not from a hazer. What a day that was. Someone also almost died that day, but God was merciful to them. (laughs) The glory of God was in the face of Jesus Christ. And Paul's prayer was that there would be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. It is my passion to see the return of the glory of God to the church of God. Amen. It was in the early church with signs and wonders and miraculous deliverances. And I am praying that God will come again in that kind of power. We live in a postmodern generation. That you just can't open a Bible and say the Bible says. We believe that. But largely the secular world outside the church world doesn't get that. But when God shows up with his glory and he demonstrates his power by the miraculous, then somebody says maybe there is something to this Jesus. Maybe there is something to this Bible. We don't want the glory to come just so God will show up with the show. But we want God to show up with power and life-changing demonstration of his spirit. That's why I say to God, be the glory. Amen. The Lord's prayer ends with these words. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Jesus Christ has all power. And because he has all power, he deserves all glory. And none of us deserve the glory that belongs to God Almighty alone. The story we read today is the story of the return of the Ark of the Covenant, that symbolic presence of God that was coming back to Jerusalem. And a few Wednesday nights ago, I taught on a story from Samuel, a story of regained glory, that sin had cost Israel the glory of God. 
the ark departed, a baby was born who was named Ichabod that meant the glory is departing. And for 20 years, Israel lamented after the loss of the glory of God. And Samuel told them in 1 Samuel 7 how they could regain the glory of God. And while they repented and God gave them victory over their enemies, the Ark of the Covenant was not returned to Israel. Throughout the entire reign of King Saul, the Ark was not inquired at, and it was not on location in Jerusalem back in the city of God. But when David became king, that man who had a heart for the heart of God, he determined to bring the Ark back. 2 Samuel 6, 1 Chronicles 15 tells the story of the return of the ark of God. The ark was at a city called Bela of Judah, and it had been there for long after 20 years. And the Bible says that, as I mentioned a minute ago, that throughout the reign of Saul, the ark was not inquired at. Saul was a a he-man of a king, taller than anyone else, head and shoulders above. He started out humble, but his insecurity drove him to be a man who was egotistical and would not wait on the arrival of the prophet for the glory of God. But David decides to bring the ark back. He goes to fetch it, the Bible says, with 30,000 men of Israel. They're going to bring back the glory of God. Now, when the Philistines sent the ark away from their country, they put it on a cart. That was the method of conveyance for the ark. And they had two oxen who led it, and they walked straight in a path back into the land of Israel. So David didn't take the time to go back and remember how God had said the ark was to be transported. So if a new cart was good enough for the Philistines, Maybe it was good enough for us. It's scary when you implement a new program or try out a new method and you don't go back and see how God said it ought to be done. They set the ark of God on a new cart and they took it out of the house of Abinadab and Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, drove that new cart. They carried the ark of God in this new cart They got to a threshing floor. They got to a place where the ground was uneven. Chronicles said the oxen stumbled. Samuel says that the, the ark shook. And when the ark carried on a cart, shook, Uzzah, well-meaning Uzzah, reached out his hand to stabilize the ark of God. You know, sometimes we think God needs a little help. And when Uzzah reached out his hand to stabilize the cart, God struck him dead. Now that seems radical. Because there was singing and music and shouting. Everything sounded like it should. Everybody was sincere in what they were doing. But they were sincerely wrong David later says that we did not seek him after the due order. We had a good idea, but it was not a God idea. In spite of playing on instruments of wood and harps and psalteries and timbrels and cornets, all of that, when the cart 
was shaken and the oxen stumbled and it looked like that Ark of the Covenant was going to fall off on the ground and they thought we needed to help it out a little bit. You know, God doesn't really need our help. We need His help. You can take that Ark of the Covenant and you can put it in the temple of a pagan god. Remember when they put it in the temple of Dagon, that Dagon fell down before the Ark of God. They set Dagon up, and the next day when they came back, Dagon, that false god, had fallen over again, and his head and hands were cut off because there is nothing that can stand against the power of Almighty God when he comes in all of his glory. And David is in disbelief, and the Bible said he's displeased. He feels like it's his fault. He uses dead. Everything stops. Singing stops. The music stops. The shouting stops. We've got a dead man on our hands. Something is drastically wrong. So David is afraid to move the ark again. And they take the ark into the house of Obed-Edom and they leave it there for three months. And in the three months' time, David hears that the house of Obed-Edom has been blessed. God blesses the house of Obed-Edom because wherever God dwells there is a place of blessing there if you have God in your life you have a life that is blessed of God you live the blessed life now they're trying to figure this out what in the world went wrong I mean God should have been glad that we wanted him back I hear a lot these days about people who say that it doesn't matter how you live or what you believe. or You know, God's just happy to have you any way he can have you. You can believe whatever you want to believe doctrinally. You can live any way you want to live practically. And God doesn't really care. He's not into the details. But when I read this story, I think God must care about how we carry his glory. About how we live our lives. David said, somebody's got to go back and figure out how we're supposed to do this. Let's go back and examine the Bible to see how the ark is supposed to be carried. So they go back and they read that God did not leave them without instruction. There's got to be Levites. They've got to be sanctified to the Lord. You don't put the ark on a cart. You carry it on the shoulders of those Levites. You've got to do this God's way if you want his glory to come into your life. You can't just sing any kind of a song or just toss out a new cart or a new method. If you want the glory of God, you've got to carry that glory God's way. So they decide to get it right this time. And David makes a place for the ark of God. He erects a tent there in Jerusalem. And then he goes back with the 30,000 men. And he gives instructions that none should carry the ark of God but the Levites alone. And he says it here that the reason this didn't work before is that we did not seek him after the due order. We did not find out what God instructs about how glory is to be carried. And that's why God made a breach upon us. That's why it turned out so poorly for Uzzah and for all of us. The Apostle Paul spoke of the Jews, said they've got a zeal after God, but it is not after knowledge. It is a misguided zeal. 
And I want to just say this right here to help our church that there are many sincere people that are worshiping God the best way they have been taught. But we know how to worship God. We know who he is. Hear, O Israel, amen. The Lord our God is one Lord, amen. And if we worship him, we worship him in spirit and in truth. We love him with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, our strength. We know what the due order is to worship God and see his glory. So the priests and Levites do their part. And then David talks to the chief of the Levites and they appoint singers with instruments of music and psalteries and harps and cymbals and sounding by lifting up the voice with joy. And then 2 Samuel chapter 6, 13 says, and so it was when those bearing the ark of the Lord had gone six paces that they kind of stopped the parade and they sacrificed oxen and fatted sheep. In other words, when we worship, our worship has to be accompanied with right living, with sacrifice. We don't just have mindless worship or heartless worship, but there has to be worship and sacrifice. Six paces, sacrifice. Six paces, sacrifice. In your life and in my life, we don't just live in a life of worship, but we live a sacrificial life of a right relationship with God that sets us up for worship. Amen. In the tabernacle plan and in the temple, the altar of the brazen altar, a place of repentance and sacrifice and death, was where a coal was taken that ignited worship before the Lord. And that's why, when there is no right living, when there is no repentance, there is no glory. But when my people, which are called by my name, humble themselves and pray and seek my face, then the Lord said, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and will heal their. Land. I am praying that God will help us get this right. Six paces and sacrifice. Six paces and sacrifice. Why don't we go after the glory of God in our lives? This is taking time. It's not very fast. Could have been as far as 12 miles that they are bringing the ark of God from the house of Obed Edom back to Jerusalem to worship, but six paces and sacrifice. And verse 14 says, Then David danced before the Lord with all his might. And he was wearing a linen ephod. Danced with all his might. Now, depending on how young you are and how agile you are, all your might might have a little relativity to it. Relative to what? <clears throat> but I can tell you this, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, whether you think you should be demonstrative or not, I don't mean to be disrespectful to you, but we don't worship God according to our personality. We worship God according to his excellent greatness. We worship God according to who he is, not who we are. Amen. So whatever all your might is for you, whatever all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength is, that's how he deserves to be worshipped. And when we worship him like that, the glory of God will fill the house of God 
Why don't we worship him right now with all our might? your glory. He danced before the Lord with all of his might and he was dressed in a linen ephod. He didn't have a crown on his head. He didn't have the royal robes of a king on his shoulders. He wasn't dressed like a king. He was dressed like a worshiper. He was dressed like a priest. And if you're going to worship God, the way he deserves to be worshipped, there's some things that have to come off of you. Your own pride, your own whoever you are has to come off. If anybody had a right to think he was somebody, it would have been the king of Israel. But he got down in the street with the common people, with the ladies and the men and the servants, and he worshipped God dressed like a common person because the ground is level at the cross of Jesus Christ. They come with shouting and the sound of trumpets. King Saul's daughter, Michael, David's wife, is not down at street level. She's not engaged. She's not a worshiper. She's a watcher. She's a spectator never feels the same from a balcony window as it does at street level. The power of God doesn't play real well on television or by even live stream. And thank you for watching live stream today. You sit back if you're in a seat of a spectator. Doesn't look, it doesn't feel like it does when you're right there by the ark. And you've gone six paces and you've sacrificed. Michael despised David in her heart. And David doesn't know that. He's too busy worshiping God to think about what his backslidden wife is thinking. He put the ark in its place and he goes and blesses everybody and gives them food and they have a massive party in Jerusalem because the glory of God has come back home. David's pretty excited about this and he can't wait to get home and tell Michael all about it. And she came out to meet him, the Bible says. And she said, how glorious was the king of Israel today. Uncovering himself today in the eyes of the maids and of his servants as one of the base fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. Now, there was a visitation of the Holy Ghost a minute ago, and I believe the Lord's not gone anywhere. 
But I didn't want to miss this. That's why I didn't just say, let's just go for it. How glorious was the king? My dad was a king. He never acted like that. Yeah, David sinking in. He never inquired at the ark all the days of his reign. You were shameless today, David. Weren't you glorious? Because positioned people are supposed to have glory. Smart people are supposed to have glory. We're proud of who we are and what we've gotten and what we've attained in our lives. Michael, Michael is sarcastic when she says this to David. Nobody's going to respect you, David. You were down there with them dressed like a common person. You weren't looking very kingly today. Your poll numbers are going to go down, David. But you see, David knew what it was to worship God to an audience of one with no one there on the backside of a desert watching sheep where he wrote songs and slew enemy animals against his sheep and he had a relationship with God. And David said, this is how I worship God who chose me ahead of your father. I didn't do this for you, and I didn't do this for them. I did this for him. It was unto the Lord that I worship God. Hey, I've learned this, that the less self-conscious you become, the more God-conscious you become. And the more God-conscious you become, the less you're going to care about what people think about you. It's time for us to take off whoever we think we are and to get in the presence of God and to give God the glory that he deserves in our lives. Would anybody like to bring back the glory of God? I say today at Atlanta West, to God be the glory. That's it, that's it. To God be the glory. Hallelujah. We don't need choreographed worship. We don't need cool worship. We don't need controlled worship. We don't need complacent worship. We need worship that is birth of a heart that loves God more than anything in the world that wants to see the glory of God in the house of God. Hallelujah. 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 Why don't you bring your need? Why don't you bring your worship to this altar today? Let's lift up our voices. Let's give him glory. Let's thank him. it right now your sins can be forgiven right now your body can be healed 
Right now you can be delivered from addictions. Right now your home can be healed. Right now, right now, in the presence of the Lord.